Welcome to Honestly Haunted. Honestly Haunted. We're your hosts, Erin Grogan and Abby Chowning. This week, we're in for some Hollywood hauntings. In fact, we touch upon quite a few of our favorite things besides hauntings, cults and true crime. Yeah. We're talking about the Jean Harlow house in Beverly Hills, California. If you aren't familiar with Jean Harlow, she was an actress in the early 1900s who was known to be a bit of a sex symbol in the 1930s. She was nicknamed things like Blonde Bombshell and Platinum Blonde. Harlow was born in 1911, and she was only in the film industry for nine years. But during this time, she made a huge impact and was considered one of Hollywood's biggest stars. In 1932, Harlow was married to Paul Byrne, a director, writer, and producer in Hollywood who championed Harlow's acting career. Despite being a career champion, many people believe Paul Byrne was actually abusive and many of Harlow's friends didn't understand why she was with him at all. In July of 1932, the couple moved into a Bavarian-style home in Beverly Hills. After only two months of living in the home, Paul Byrne would be found dead by the house staff. The butler's first call upon finding Burns' body was not to the police, but instead to MGM Studios. MGM sent <laughs> over fixers, as in people to stage a scene and or take away anything unseemly. The fixers and staff spent two hours at the scene before the police were even involved. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely insane. Yeah. I mean, to at this time, we're at like the height of studio Hollywood. Yeah. Everything is were, curated. Yeah. And, yeah. They're pumping everybody full of... Drugs. To keep them going and, <laughs> and filming. Keep, and keep them skinny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super, super ethical, we're talking. So, as for Harlow, she had conveniently been at her mother's house that night and was informed by police at her mother's house that her husband was dead. Byrne had been found by the police in front of a mirror with a gun and a bullet wound to the head. It was an apparent suicide, and there was a note as well, which read, Dearest dear, unfortunately this is the only way to make good the frightful wrong I have done to you and to wipe out my abject humiliation. I love you, Paul. You understand that last night was only a comedy. That last line is interesting and strange for sure. Uh, Burns' secretary, however, would say that it was a forgery and that it didn't match Burns' handwriting at all. Ultimately, Harlow claimed she knew nothing and never publicly commented on Burns' death. It was ruled a suicide and Harlow herself remarried only a year later. There are quite a few theories that his death may not have been so open and shut. Many speculate that the MGM fixers could be behind some of the staging based on how long they were with the body and at the scene. I mean, duh. duh. <laughs> what were they doing in there? Just, they were just hanging out. Just cleaning, some they spring just, cleaning. Just like to be in those places. Drinking coffee, just casual. In fact, the idea was pushed to the public by these fixers and MGM, which painted a picture that Byrne may have been impotent. And so he killed himself because he wasn't man enough for the Hollywood vixen Harlow. Oof. 
Yeah. It's, that, it, yeah, it's not it's not so good. And literally, that's like the agenda that was being pushed. That's the because story. Because yeah. they were like, oh no, we can't let our star vixen have a bad look. Not be satisfied in the bedroom. Exactly, Heaven forbid. Exactly. She won't perform if she's not satisfied. My God. <laughs> A film producer, Samuel Marks, actually has an even darker theory, though, that he came out with in his book in 1990. Marks actually uncovered evidence that Byrne had not been divorced from his previous wife, Dorothy Millette. Long before Byrne met Harlow, he met Dorothy in Canada in 1911. Actually, the year that Harlow was born. Okay. So, yeah, yikes. <laughs> Their relationship lasted for a long time. And perhaps even longer than some had thought at the time of his death, Dorothy and Byrne were actually married by common law in New York. While there isn't too much to be found about their time together or Dorothy as a person, it is said that she had some mental and emotional instability and she ended up in an asylum in Connecticut. Now, we've talked about asylums before and this may raise some flags for you as historically they do not treat anyone, but particularly women, very well. I know that raised some flags for me. But in looking into it, it seems that this particular one was called Blythewood, and it was actually something that should have been seen less as an asylum and more as a rehab and relaxation center for the wealthy and elite. At Blythewood, most patients had many freedoms. It could have come for reasons as serious as mental health, to alcoholism, to simply exhaustion. It appears that Dorothy did not actually spend the rest of her life in the center, and perhaps only a few years. But ultimately, this separation from Byrne seemed to at least be physically permanent. However, Byrne continued to support Dorothy financially through the rest of his life, and sent two checks to her monthly. It even appears they often wrote letters to each other, keeping in touch and staying on friendly terms. This revelation is enough to make people stumble, because Byrne never spoke about Dorothy beyond a casual mention of an old marriage that ended when the woman went to a sanatorium. He led others to believe she had died there. This also technically meant that his marriage to Harlow was not legitimate. California didn't do common law marriage, but they do recognize it from other states, meaning that the state of California would recognize Byrne and Dorothy's marriage and recognized it and would have done so when he married Harlow. So while this is all intriguing, what exactly does it have to do with Byrne's death? Well, it seems that the day before Burns' death, there were sightings of Millette with Byrne in Los Angeles. She had come to California and visited with him. The following day, Byrne was found dead. And just one day after that, Millette was missing. Her final actions the day she went missing were reported by a few as having boarded a riverboat in San Francisco and being seen crying on the deck. About a week later, her body was found floating in the Sacramento River. Marx believes that the reality of Byrne's death was that Millette had come to visit Byrne, killed him, and then committed suicide the following day in her grief. Others think her death was actually faked and that she went on the run. Others still have a sadder version of events, which was Millette knew that Byrne had changed his will and that she was only being supported by Byrne while he was alive. Having heard of his death and knowing that Harlow would get all of his money, she would be penniless, and so she killed herself. Another version of this love triangle, some believe, is that when Harlow learned about Millette, she killed Byrne in a rage at having married her falsely, and MGM covered it up. Part of covering it up being killing Millette as well. Byrne and Millette's deaths are still ruled as suicides, and we may never have all the answers. 
but the house Byrne died in may still have some of the story continuing on in the afterlife. In fact, many people began to think this house was cursed. Harlow herself would die an untimely death only five years later, after falling ill on set, sinking into a coma, and then passing away. After both Harlow and Byrne's deaths, some claimed to have seen both Harlow and Byrne lingering in the home in the form of apparitions. But that's not all. This house is considered to have a lot more negativity and, as we said, to be cursed. What else may have people been... Th- or, 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 what else may have people thinking this house is cursed? Well, does the name Jay Sebring ring a bell? How about Sharon Tate? That one should. That one definitely should. Jay Sebring <laughs> does for like us in who are like real into <laughs> this stuff, but like Sharon Tate should for the more popular audience yeah, yeah. as well. For those who don't know, and this is like a less obscure point, but in 1963, Sebring bought this house and he started dating actress Sharon Tate a year later and they lived together in the home for a good while. Tate and Sebring would break up but remain close friends when Tate married Roman Polanski. Sharon Tate and Jay Sebring, both, along with two others, would be murdered only six years later by members of the Manson family cult in 1500's Yellow Drive. Tate was eight months pregnant at the time of her death. And there's our cult connection. Cult, cult, cult. And not just any cult connection, but probably one of the most famous cult-related murders ever. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, Manson family, all of that, back to the Harlow house. While Sharon was living there, she told others about a terrible ghostly encounter she had. She claimed to have woken up in the middle of the night and she saw what she described as a strange little man in her bedroom. She was frightened and ran from the room. While going down the stairs, she saw a figure tied to the staircase with their throat slashed. Some believe this encounter may have been a premonition of her own deadly end, but others wonder if Byrne's ghost was the one was the one haunting Tate. Either way, many believe this home's curse is confirmed, as four occupants all died very tragic young deaths, And they aren't the only ones. Two others have died at the mansion in the swimming pool. Both were deemed accidental occurrences, however. The home's current owners have publicly said that they themselves haven't had any paranormal happenings. But that doesn't stop others from thinking that the Harlow House is a hotbed for tragedy and activity. Oh. There's lots of these, like, these, like, Hollywood glamorous deaths and why they, like, speak so... I mean, they just, I don't know, there's something about it that makes them so vivid and flashy. And yeah. I mean, the Manson family murders are a huge one. Oh. Of course. Obviously. But I think of, like, Black Dahlia as, like, a Hollywood image of, like, the serial killer or, or the gruesome, I don't know. They, they glamorize it in a weird way. Oh, Not yeah. Not necessarily making it positive or anything, but it is glamorized, for lack of a better term. No, I think you're right. And I think that's, like, a very typical thing of, like, when... It's like you think if you if somebody is telling you you're about to listen to true crime from the 30s about a starlet, you have an image Mm -hmm. about what that means and what that looks like and potentially what happened and the players involved. And so and I mean, I, I think I think part of that is also because of the studios having so much control over these people. how everything gets seen to the public, sent out to the public, mm-hmm. and the people. Yeah, like you said, like the fact that the butler called MGM before calling the police. police. 
Yeah, it seems like such a <gasps> twisted way. Like, like I guess the idea of that that Hollywood elite forming. Like now, like people make movies all the time, whether or not they're in like the public's good graces or oh, not. Sure. You know, but back then, it's like your reputation was everything in show it business. Was. People wouldn't like because I think it was because like a moral and ethical per like. They're, they're a moral and ethical person. I'm going to go see that film. Like, yes. So they had to be held in such high standards from It was the, the classical studios. era of film. It was yeah. the, the, the class- golden era. <laughs> yeah, and the, the classical era had all of these genre myths and everything that were all about, you know, good prevails and good people win out and good over evil yeah. and people being pure. The good guy gets the gal. The good handsome guy gets the beautiful young gal. Chased gal. And, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and both of their very first kisses ever take exactly. place at the end of the movie. And so, and so the studio literally had people whose job it was was to comb the house of anything that could tarnish that image Mm -hmm. to protect their interests well and the other thing too that we will literally never know because that's how this was handled is whether or not that's actually how burn was found yeah so that that is the super intriguing thing to me like Mm -hmm. obviously this whole Millette thing is also super interesting because clearly she's involved somehow. Yeah. Whether it be a tragic, like, side story to his life that she just, like, couldn't go on if he wasn't going right. to, or she is somehow part of this, we will never know if Byrne was actually in a way that would let police say he was killed or he killed himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> and Yeah, I think that's... The That's fact the that mystery. a studio can have that much power. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I agree. It's, it's very sinister. Yes. And, and the fact that it's known. Like. Yes, exactly. Were people punished for and that? Then, no, G- <laughs> no, Jean Harlow literally never had to say more than, I don't know. Oh, is that my mom's? Literally, she yeah. never said anything. She, she wouldn't even talk to the police about whether or not Byrne was like depressed or anything. She literally just said, I don't know anything about it. And that was enough. Something shady is there. Right? Yeah. Right? Like, I mean... And then she died only five years later. Yeah. Even if, like, say their marriage wasn't great. Yeah. Like, I I don't know. I think she must have felt either... It's one of two things. Either she felt so protected that MGM would bail her out that she was like, I'm just gonna be silent. Or she was scared into silence. And she, she very well... I mean, we never know. Like, she could be a victim in this, too. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like, the thing is, is, like, we'll literally never know. We won't know if he was killed by somebody. We won't know if, um... Because the other thing, too, is, like, people said that he was abusive. And so it's possible that they were in a fight or something like that, and she fought back, and then he died. And then MGM covered that up. And literally, we'll never know. And so it's, like, it's just... It's fascinating. And obviously, we're very interested in in all (laughs) of that. But the fact that Sharon Tate then also lived in that house, these young starlets who meet Mm -hmm. tragic ends. Like, I actually kind of have chills. And I know, like, it's not all that weird for celebrities to live in the same houses as past celebrities. I I know that. But there's still just something about... Yeah. That. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's not, I mean, Sharon Tate was not murdered in that house. True. But, but the fact that she had these but the very vivid, like, and she, that, she, that she could share with friends. I know, like, recently I've had 
more bad dreams than normal. And I'm not sure. I think it's maybe like we have another semester coming up. Yeah. And it's my, my brain's like a little unrested and like, but, it, but it's like I have, when I have dreams, I rarely, even if they're bad, I don't remember them for that long. Right. But it's like. Well, we're, and yeah, she yeah. literally told people, she said that she wasn't dreaming. She called it a premonition so while she, she was alive. Yeah. So it's like you would remember that. Yes. It's like it well, wasn't a dream. And the part that freaks me out the most is the way she described the man in her bedroom, the strange little man. Strange little man. So some people think that that meant burn. Uh, because they, I, I guess he was, he was a shorter guy. Um, and I guess some people are like, yeah, I feel like he could fit that description. And people have said that they saw apparitions of burn and potentially harlow right, in, in the, the house, house. Other people so some people are like well if she saw a strange little man it was burn but my mind immediately goes to charles manson strange little man he's pretty tiny he's very small he's very strange like i immediately thought him thought him but he wasn't at no, he wasn't, he wasn't but he was she... the orchestrator. No, absolutely. And yeah. like and ultimately I think I mean ultimately at the end of the day her deaths are her death and the deaths of others are attributed to him. Yes, easily. And and he he was just standing in the bedroom. Yeah. He wasn't doing anything. She saw the person on the staircase, a different person with their throat slashed tied being to the tied to the staircase. Yeah. And so the strange little man was just standing there. Hmm. And and that just Oh, it gives me chills. Seriously. And so so one part that we didn't actually mention is that the the other part, we said that she said it wasn't a dream, it was a premonition. And the reason she was so adamant about that is because she said that when she ran past the stairs, past the like disturbing image on the stairs, she immediately went to the little bar that they had because i mean oh fair <laughs> yes. like if you see those images you're just like i need to throw some back yeah but she said while she was drinking and like kind of shaking while drinking because she was scared she had some sort of urge to rip the wallpaper and so she did oh and that the next day the wallpaper was ripped. So she was like, I did that. Like yeah. that, that happened. And I wonder if something's in the walls, right? <laughs> There's gotta be something in the walls. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's, it's so There's scary. So, yeah. I'd be curious. I mean, I'm assuming the house still stands. Yes, it, it does. It I'd does. Be, I'd be curious what people experience. And then, I mean, we, we carry kind of like a lot, a lot of times with these stories that I, I think we, they carry weight as, like, time goes on. Yeah. And so it's like, imagine if it's it's your home, your families live there, or you've retired, and that's where you live. It's like, sure, I think these things happen, but I don't think they mean me any harm, and we're just going to go about our life here. We respect this house, we respect this place, and eventually you think things would probably die down. That's the only way I can think some of these old houses with these tragic, tragic stories that took place there continue to, like... Right. To have people that live in them. Yeah. Right? So, but again, that's not always the case. Sometimes it's, it's just always going to be turmoil, always going to be negative energy. And well, the other thing too, is like, I feel like we shouldn't not, we like, we should pay attention to the fact that these are also actresses living there that are having these experiences. 
I feel like people who act tend to tend to be more in touch with their emotions, potentially more emotional, potentially more open than to vibrations, energies, yeah, other things, other supernatural things, and so like perhaps it affected them more. And I don't so. I couldn't find who the current owners were. It just said that the current owner said nothing paranormal has happened. I'm assuming because you... I'm assuming it's not... They're not celebrities. They're probably just wealthy people. People. Like, I I don't think they're celebrities at this point. Um, But, I mean, that that kind of goes into it. If they're not, then then maybe there's something that kind of just tapped into those couples Mm -hmm. while they were there. Yeah, and I, I wonder, because it's what it's kind of like chicken or the egg. Like, the people or the house? Which right. was haunted first? Yeah. Like, is there something that exists in this house long before Jean Harlow moved there? Like, is it... Sure. Was she the first person to live in the house? Did it start with her? It, there's You know, questions. I couldn't quite find that. I couldn't find if they built the house or if they moved into the house. Yeah. My guess is, like, it might have been built for her. Yeah, I I honestly couldn't find, so I don't know the answer. I have a feeling that it was built for her. And burn. But I don't know that. But, like, don't take that for a fact because I could I couldn't confirm either either way it's it is kind of interesting to to think about because we do I kind of have this image in my head of like of like Hollywood glamour like starlets and their lovers in quarrels throwing glasses oh yeah screaming at each other smoking and then like passionately making out (laughs) and like making out on the stairwell you know like there's just this image of like and again a lot of it's fabricated but I hate you I love you. you I love you Kiss me on the stage. Yes. You know, it's just, it's this high intensity way of yes. living. And it does seem like that's kind of, a, if it's a popular trope, it is for some reason. Right. Like that there's these people like living the high life, very, very famous, more money that they probably can deal with, more fame than they've ever been prepared to deal with. Like fame is not good for people. No. Generally. It's not healthy. Well, and, so, and it's not just fame and money, but it's also fame and money, but having no control over how you live your life and or what you do with didn't. it. And they Yeah. Like we think of just now in the last decade, actors, especially actresses, have had more control over their own yeah, work. Yeah, they had none. None then. then no. they were replaceable. Yeah, Like there's a billion other girls interested in look hotter than you they and were like this. we will sell this story that uh burn was incompetent in order to keep your image up but if your image goes away then bye yeah so i think of how like scared a lot of these yeah. women might must have been and i mean i mean some of the guys too they i know there's been lots of men in hollywood who've been mistreated by companies and stuff yeah. but generally we're talking about more about actresses who have had a little less control a little less autonomy in yeah. The stuff that they want to do and in their work. And they have a lot thinner grace uh, yes. awarded to them. Yes. And then their male counterparts. So well, I can think, oh, yeah. And, I mean, like, we're also talking about two women, Jean Harlow and Sharon Tate, who were married to directors. Who were much who were older than that. much older and who people had significant issues with. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Roman Polanski. <laughs> yeah. Poster um, child for the red flag. <laughs> yes. Like, so So that's also interesting. And another yeah. connection, it's like, ugh. But I think these... it's all this is to say, like, these are the intense moments of the human spectrum of, like, energy that I think are very compatible with hauntings. Yes. Or 
not necessarily like not necessarily like evil spirit, but that the idea that an energy of a house or of a place can turn sour or bad, negative, negative, evil. If you even want to go yeah. that far, I just think it does. It's not too far off from what I think we were, what we talk about all the time in these hauntings. But it's like with living people, yeah, they can easily, easily swing that way. So maybe that should bring us to our verdict. Yeah. I'm going to say, honestly, honestly not haunted. haunted. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm supposed to know. Like, <laughs> so I guess I'm going to say, I don't know. Like, I don't, because I think of what I had just mentioned last is like, I think it's, it's very human energy. Yeah. That turned these situations sour. And while I, I do believe that Sharon Tate might have had a very real premonition, a very real experience in the house, I don't know. I feel like there's something also a very, a very... Would you try again? Oh, nope. That was scary. Tell me about it. <gasps> ah! <laughs> oh my god! I was talking about human things and Siri just started... Your male Siri just started talking. <laughs> oh my god! That, that was, was terrifying. Oh, and he was like right behind you. <laughs> you were like, ah! I was just haunted by Siri. Yeah. Talking about human things. Tell me maybe, about it. Maybe I need to change my verdict. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I guess I, there is, I don't know, but I, I think it's giving power to very real human energy. I don't know if I would necessarily say it's haunted or not. So I don't know. So I feel like it sounds like you're talking, uh, your verdict is based on the house. Yeah. My verdict, I think, is based on the people and the situation. So I think that's kind of where we're coming at it a little different. Yeah. Is like, so my answer is based on like all the similarities and the creepiness and the spookiness about that and the Sharon Tate premonition. Yeah. And like... I don't know. It's not, it's not a hard haunted. I'm not like, yeah, I'm not like super like gung ho on that because I, I do think, I think like, yes, there are a lot of really creepy similarities. I think a lot of the stuff we also said is also something we could say are similar to a lot of people in Hollywood. A young actress married to an older man who is slightly (laughs) problematic. Yeah. Like, I think, I think there's a lot of that in Hollywood. It's a very common trope. But I, the, the very first thing that got me into true crime and all of this stuff was the Helter Skelter book Mm. about the Manson family. Yeah. And so I have been obsessed with that for a long time. Not in like a, not in a, I like it way. Like like you wrote letters to Manson in prison. No, oh my God, no. In, but in like a fascination interest way yeah and um and i feel like because of that like this is a like i felt like i knew everything about that story and this was something i had never heard i had never heard that sharon had sharon tate having a premonition no me either and so this was like a new piece to that and i feel like that just makes me buy into it more because of that interest and because i'm like how can there still be new stuff about this? Oh my God. And yeah. Yeah. Just connecting those dots did something for you. <laughs> and, and like, oh my gosh, I, it just, it does make me feel a certain kind of way to think that Sharon Tate six years before that 
had a premonition of her own of death. intruders in the house slashing people's throats. Yeah. My God. Oh. Yeah. It's it's spooky. It Not is. Not gonna very lie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. I think my connection is more, and I I feel like that happens a lot. It, like if, yeah. unless, if we're doing like an urban legend or uh, cryptid or something, but it's like other than that, like I'm like I tend to focus on yeah, the no, house and that makes and, sense because I don't I don't know that I would say that I think the house is haunted, but I definitely think like there's something to the situation, something paranormal. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't quite know like what I would pin it on, but like. I do think that there was something. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with more Honestly Haunted. Thank you as always for listening to Honestly Haunted. Please follow us on social media at Honestly Haunted and consider becoming a Patreon supporter to help us continue to grow. If you haven't already, leave us a five-star review. We'll be back with more Honestly Haunted. Little monster. <laughs>